So we talked about, we started out last week talking about seven keys to changing your future. And uh, we mentioned uh, several different things. I'll, I'll just touch on them very quickly just by way of, of reminder. We said to change your future, you must see the future. And uh, we talked about uh, how we could do that and asking that question. If I, you know, if I were to live to be, uh, you know, 80 years old, um, and what would regrets would I have? Well, we talked about the different regrets that people have and seeing the future. And then we, we talked about last week to change the future, we must have God and, uh, and just uh, the importance of the Lord to enable us to tackle these different areas and that God actually gives us the desires that are in our heart and it enables us to have a little vision, a little direction for our life. And then we said, number three, to change the future, we must have a plan. And you remember, um, we pulled out the, the little planning sheet. I, I sent you, I hope you got that in your email. I sent you a copy of that in case you wanted to use this yourself to kind of get started. You, can, you could do it with a planning sheet like this for a few weeks and then just convert it over to using the same principles but using your um, computer calendar. But we talked about that and, uh, and uh, putting that kind of thing together. And I realize it's real challenging and that many of you, you know, so many things are going on. You might just feel overwhelmed, but, uh, but hang in there. God's going to help you and you're going to do it. And then we said to change the future, we must confess change. And we talked a little bit about that idea of, of uh, saying what it is that we're believing the Lord for and things happening that way. So we're on number five now. Number five, to change the future, we must persevere. Number five, to change the future, we must persevere. What is persevere? It means the ability to accept short-term pain for long-term gain. The ability to delay gratification. That is, I, I press on even though it's painful. Um, one way I used to express this that uh, would help me is that you have to give up to go up. you got to give up to go up. That is, if you want to go higher in any area of your life, you've got to lay something down. You've got to give something up, right? Maybe it's my comfort right now, whatever the situation is. But I, I, if I, I need to give up to go up. Everybody say that with me. Give up to go up, right? You're going to encourage one another with that this week, right? When you're talking, you know, somebody's struggling with something, just look at them and say, hey, we got to give up to go up, okay? we got to give up to go up. James 1, uh, verse 2, it says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, which doesn't sound logical at all, right? Unless you understand this idea. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we, we, we get this idea that we have to give up to go up. And the reason we can count it all joy when we encounter various trials, when we're battling through things, is because we're not focused on the pain of the moment, but we're looking beyond this. This is said over and over again in the Bible. This idea of the momentary light affliction that you're enduring right now is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that is being prepared for you. And you've got to get this, you've got to get this ability to see beyond. You know, it says Jesus nailed to the cross. How does he endure that? How does he go through that? He nailed to the cross. It says, for the joy that was set before him, right? 
He endured the cross. He saw something beyond where he was right at the moment that, that he was in it. If you get totally absorbed in the now and you're missing that God is doing something, God is developing me, that I'm, that I'm not going to be the same person in the future as I am today. If you, if you miss this idea, then you don't have the ability to endure and, and to persevere during difficulties. I wrote a thing some years ago, and they, we handed it out to you. It said the code of perseverance. And this was, again, something that I wrote to help me. And uh, I would post this in different places and, and do things to, that, that it would give me something to focus on, especially when I was going through a time where I was, I was experiencing a lot of delayed gratification. That is, a lot of what was going on around me really wasn't that great. I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I knew it was it was working something in me, but I didn't like the process. Anybody identify with that? You understand what I'm talking about? You know, you don't like what's going on, but you you know it's the right thing, but you don't you don't feel that good about it. And so, how do I? Um, how do you hang in there? Um, uh, you know, in those situations. So, just we're going to look at this together. And what I want you to do is just get into your mind right now, what is something that you want to quit at right now? Basically, you're, you know, you're, you're really tempted to just say, okay, forget it, you know, that's enough. I'm not going any further on this thing. You know? so it could be a relationship. You'd like to just say, okay, forget this. This person is killing me. They're a loser. You know, uh, it could be a, uh, something to do with school, something you're having to do. It could be something with your family back at home that you're looking at. And you, you just, it's just something that you just like to quit on. You just like to say, hey, this is over with. Uh, we're not going any farther in this uh, area. I just want to quit. I just want to quit, all right? And so I wrote this for myself when I was going through a time where I wanted to quit, okay? And so let's look at it together and see if maybe some thoughts will come to your heart that will encourage you. Okay, number one, the code of perseverance. Number one, I will never give up as long as I know I'm doing God's will, okay? This is the separate sheet that was handed out. Uh, same color as what you have, but, uh, but a, a separate sheet. The code of perseverance is called... I will never give up as long as I know I'm doing God's will. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Okay? So he says, I'll never give up as long as I know I'm doing God's will. Do you, I'm doing God's will. I'm doing God's will. Do you know you're doing God's will? You can't stop. Number two. I believe that all things will work out for me if I hang on to my love for God and his purposes in my life. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So I'm, I believe that all things are going to work out for me, right? I'm going, difficult things are going on. You know, that's one of the things that happens to us. We get overwhelmed by the anxiety, the fear that, you know, here we are in the middle of this thing and it's not going to work out. It's not going to come together. It's not going to happen. But no, here's this confession. I believe that all things will work out for me if I hang on to my love for God and his purpose in my life. As a matter of fact, let's go start at the beginning. Let's read the, the first one together, okay? I will never give up as long as I know I'm doing God's will. Do it again with me. I will never give up as long as I know I'm doing God's will. Okay, number two, let's read that one together. 
I believe that all things will work out for me if I hang on to my love for God and his purpose in my life. Again, I believe that all things will work out for me if I hang on to my love for God and his purpose in my life. Number three, say it, we'll say it together. Ready? I will be courageous and undismayed in the face of obstacles because the Lord is with me. Let me read the scripture for you. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's read it again, number three. I will be courageous and undismayed in the face of obstacles because the Lord is with me. Number four, together. I will not permit anyone to intimidate me or deter me from my God-given goals. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. You're not alarmed by the, these opponents that are coming against you, 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 you and, and, and that itself inspires fear in them. Look at number four. It says, I will not permit anyone to intimidate me or deter me from my God-given goals. Number five, altogether. I will try again and again and yet again to accomplish what I'm called to. The steps of a, of a man are ordered or established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hands. Okay? So he says, I will try again and again and again. You know, we're, we're all going to get knocked down. There is no... There is no path that is not checkered with failure. There is no, there's nothing that you're going to accomplish that you're going to be like on some continuous upward uh, movement. It's just not the way life works. You are going to get knocked down. But there has to be something. God's planting something inside of you that says, I will try again and again and yet again to accomplish what I'm called to. If I feel that it's from the Lord, I'm going to hang in there. Number six. I will take new faith and resolution from the knowledge that anyone who has accomplished anything for God has had to fight defeat and adversity. Anybody who has accomplished anything. Say it with me again, number six. I will take new faith and resolution from the knowledge that anyone who has accomplished anything for God has had to fight defeat and adversity. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Number seven, I will put on the full armor of God. Come on, together. I will put on the full armor of God, never surrendering to discouragement or despair, no matter what obstacles may confront me. I will put on that armor. Ephesians 6.13, he says, Therefore take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. What is that, the evil day? He says, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. The evil day is the unexpected day of the devil's attack. Right? That's the evil day. It's the day when you didn't see it coming. And he's saying, look, you've got to take up the full armor of God. Why? Because you, nobody knows when the evil day is. Nobody knows when that unexpected day is, that unexpected moment that's going to come upon you. He says, you've got to take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Okay, number eight, all together. 
I will not let my personal failures and sins keep me from finishing the race God has put me in. This is one of the biggest things that the, that the, devil, that the devil does is to convince us that, that our sin and our failure is going to eliminate our ability to fulfill our call and our destiny in God. When we have to realize something, God knew about your sin and failure. While we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. Right? God knew all about everything, every goofy thing that you would do, every stupid attitude that you have, every, every, God knew all about, and he still sent his son to die on the cross. Why? To make it so that your failure, your sin, would never be able to be the thing that knocked you out of the purposes of God. Right? Now, you, you know, you, you, you do some stupid things and you think to yourself, well, that's it, I'm done. It'll never happen with me now. I'll never be able to fulfill my destiny. I'll never be able to do that. I'm telling you right now, you, you hang in there because the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. And if you repent and turn from your wicked way, the grace of God will fill your life and give you a new beginning. And the very thing that you would have looked at and said, this disqualifies me, will be the very thing that God will use to touch other lives through you. I will not let my personal failures and sins keep me from finishing the race God has put me in. What does he say here? Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Number nine. I will pray not allowing my burdens or concerns to choke God's purposes in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I will pray, not allowing my burdens or concerns to choke God's purposes in my life. I'm not going to allow all my anxiety to choke out what God is doing. I'm going to pray instead. I'm going to cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. And as I do that, I'm going to receive new strength and I'm going to be able to keep on fighting and keep on being in the battle. Number 10, I will finish the race knowing that rewards are certain. Say it with me again. I will finish the race knowing that rewards are certain. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved... He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He's saying, look, hang in there. Why do you need to hang in there? Because the rewards are certain. It's not like, you know, uh, it's not like the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. You know what I'm saying? You know, enter the Reader's Digest sweepstakes. You know, one, one in a zillion is going to win this. You don't know. You, you could fill out all the forms and send in all the things and do all the computer stuff and everything. It doesn't mean anything is going to happen. Fill out every survey. Do, you know, doesn't mean you're going to receive anything. He says, if you hang in there, I will finish the race knowing that rewards are Certain, He says, it, it, you can go to the bank on this, that you are going to receive reward for this difficulty and for this thing that you're um, 
that you're being challenged in. Okay, number six. To change the future, we must have a positive, hope-filled attitude. Right? If I'm going to change my future, you know, remember this whole thing started out, I said, I made this very simple statement. To me, it's a tremendously frightening statement, but it's a simple reality. And the reality is this. If I do nothing, right? If I just say, okay, here I am, this is what I am, you know, I do do nothing. I will continue to be who I always have been. Right? So something, if I want to, there has to be something in me that's not satisfied with the future that I see and says, okay, I'm, I'm, I got to make some changes. I'm going to make some adjustments. I'm going to, I look at this basket of regrets. I don't want these regrets in my life. I'm going to make some kind of adjustments. I'm going to fight some kind of fight. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this thing differently. There's got to be something like that. And to change the future, we must have a positive, hope filled attitude. Here, look at some of these scriptures. Cynicism, you know, it's so easy to get to be cynical and to constantly be speaking negativity. You know, some of us have been brought up by the television set, you know, and we grew up watching sitcoms and we're, we're constantly thinking, you know, the, the, you know, some witty little cynical comment, some little cut, you know, somebody, some little thing, some little sarcasm that can be put out there that can kind of show our little novelty and this kind of stuff. Let me tell you right now, the real world does not work like a sitcom. It's not one laughing joke after another. As a matter of fact, if you take up that attitude, you will find the people around you get hurt tremendously. You're putting out your little witty comments, your little, you know, I remember when I was years ago, uh, we used to play a game we called Slam, you know, and we'd be making these little, it, like somebody would do something, and then we would make some little sarcastic slam against them, and then they would make some sarcastic slam against you and slam back and forth. Who could be the most witty, you know, and, and this kind of thinking, thinking that, it, you know, we're, we're, it's a sitcom lifestyle, you know. We're just kind of make these smart little phrases and say these little things that'll, you know, and, and not realizing that we were leaving a trail behind us with hurt and wounded people. Are you with me? You've got to get an attitude, you know, it's a, but it's a hope-filled attitude. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. Psalm 18.3, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And if you know the story, all at once the place where they are is shaken, and the and the, oh, the chains fall off, and the prison opens up, and everything else happens. How, how did it came? It came because even though they were sitting locked up unjustly in a prison cell, they are allowing their spirit to be filled with psalms and hymns and making melody in their hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always. Right? The scripture tells us always uh, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I came across a, uh, a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that I really enjoy. 
As a matter of fact, I put it in my signature right now, a portion of it. It says, it says this, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Wow. Those cold, timid souls, people sitting back, poking holes at other people's efforts and they're trying to make an improvement and they're trying to make themselves better. And, and what are you going to do? If you're trying to improve your situation, you're trying to be more of what God wants you to be, you're going to fail. And there'll be those who will come and lift you up and there'll be those who, who, who just kind of reinforce that failure. And you got, you, you, you've got to understand, you need positive, faith-filled people. Okay, this last point I'm going to make is going to give you a Tremendous secret that is going to really help you to understand something. It says, to change the future, you must have time. Now, that sounds a little strange because you think with God, you know, you, you know do, do you really need time? Because, um, you know, can't God do a miracle instantaneous change? Yes, there's, there is an instantaneous change that happens. It's a deliverance. And people can be delivered from something. If, you, if there's an oppression in their life, people, for example, can be delivered from an addiction, bam, just like that. In a moment, power of God. But their ability to walk after that needs the formation of character. Otherwise, they'll fall right back into the addiction again. They'll, they'll, they'll read and so character is a process. My character change that's a process deliverance is instantaneous i get set free from things you know delivered from things those kinds of changes can have inst uh, can happen instantly but character is a process it takes some time if we take this idea of sowing and reaping whoa. excuse me <laughs> um so we take this idea of sowing and reaping. Okay, one of the great questions that will come to you, it's one of the things that really can discourage people. This is why I say to you, I'm going to give you a secret right now that's going to help you. Uh, it, it's a mystery, but it's going to help you tremendously. And the mystery is this. Why is it when I'm trying to do good things and I'm trying to change my situation, I'm trying to sow in good areas, why is it that bad things keep happening to me? Because you would think to yourself, if God wants me to do this, wouldn't he be encouraging me a little bit? You know, why? Here I'm trying to do the right thing, but bad things keep happening to me. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, 
I heard one person say one time, they said, I think God would have more friends if he treated the ones he had better, you know, and uh, sometimes I think that's, you know, because you think, why in the world, God, why are you allowing these bad things to happen to me when I am, am setting my heart to try and do good? And it's the, the principle is the principle of sowing and reaping. And this is what happens to so many of us. This is why some of you are here right now. You, some of you are here right now, you're discouraged, you know. Because, uh, see, most of the time in our lives, we say to ourselves, well, I could really be who God wants me to be. You know, I just needed to buckle down a little bit. And so here you are, you came to eat Bible school, and you thought, well, you know, I got everything I need now. I'm in the Bible every day. I'm with spiritual people surrounded by all this kind of stuff. So I'm going to now, I'm going to try to be, you know, what God wants me to be. You know, before, before I was kind of saying, oh, I could do this anytime I want to. But now I'm really going to try and do it. And some of you have tried to be who you believe God wants you to be. And you are blowing it left and right. And you're looking at yourself and you're thinking to yourself, well, I thought this was going to be a little easier than it's actually turned out to be. This is, this is kind of a, a difficult uh, thing that's happening here, right? And so you, you get discouraged and you want to quit. You know, you came to Elam, you thought, okay, this is going to come, you know, and now you want to, okay, here's the principle. This will really help you if you understand this idea. So I sow into the ground bad seed. I sow into the ground bad seed, right? Sowing into the ground, putting all kinds of, I got bad attitudes, I got bad stuff, I'm doing this, I'm sneaking around doing this thing, you know, nobody knows, who cares, you know, and I'm doing that. I got, I, I'm just sowing bad seeds. And then I come to a place where I say, you know what, I don't want to live like that anymore. I want things to change. And so I change and I start sowing good seeds, okay? Good seeds. Here I am sowing my good seeds. The problem is that my bad seeds start start developing and I start harvesting bad things. And so this is very confusing because I'm doing something good, but what am I getting? You with me? I'm getting something bad. And so that's what makes me want to give up. I just say, well, what's the point of going on? I try to do the right thing, and everything keeps going wrong. Everything keeps on being bad. Everything keeps on being a problem. What's happening? So what's happening is, is this thing. I'm harvesting from the bad seed that I've been planting for all this time. This is why to change the future takes time. Because you don't just get rid of all this bad seed. It's got to be, it, it works its way out. It's got to, it gets harvested. So here I am planting good seed. But eventually what will happen is eventually I start to harvest the good seed, right? Good seed, thanks, good seed, good seed, right? I'm harvesting good seed. And then I'm planting good seed. Good seed, good seed, good seed. And things start moving in a positive direction, right? Things start breaking loose for me, and, and I start going, wow, man, I'm really making progress while wow, things are really happening. But when you're in this stage right here, this is the most difficult and confusing stage because you're doing good things, but you're, but you're harvesting bad things. Does that make sense to you? And God wants to... 
I just, you know, all of you, I wish I could just express to you the heart of God, how much God is on your side, how much he wants you to succeed, how much, you know, even though you're battling with different issues, failures, and discouragements, and, and really trying hard, some of you are trying hard in your classes, and you're failing, you know, hey, you know what? You're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to persevere? Am I going to keep on going? Or am I going to just go, okay, forget it, I just give up? Am I going to say, okay, well, maybe I'm failing right now? You know, years ago, I was speaking at uh, Christ for the Nations, a Bible school down in Dallas, Texas. And uh, at the end of my session, um, a lot of the students were coming up to want to, you know, talk to me, shake my hand, that kind of thing. I was up, it was, it was like, it was kind of like a stage like this, but, but it was a high, even higher stage. And, uh, and so I was standing up on the top of the stage. People were lined up down, shaking my hand, telling me this or that about, you know, something I talked about or this kind of thing. And so it's, they're coming one by one, one by one. And then I see a little guy. He's like a, he looked like a, physically he looked like he probably was a, a midget sitting in a wheelchair. His little feet barely reached the edge of the seat, sitting in this wheelchair, like a powered-type wheelchair. And, uh, and so different people were coming, coming, coming. And then I saw several guys grab him and lift him up onto the stage and have him uh, come up to me. And... I reached my hand out to shake his little hand and he grabbed my hand and he pulled me down close to him. And he spoke these words to me. Far better it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. He was quoting Theodore Roosevelt, a different part of the same passage that we talked about earlier. Far better it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. And when he finished making those, saying those words to me, he said, God has a purpose for my life. And I thought to myself, wow, here's this little broken man. And he has a sense of destiny. And I thought of all the people I interact with that somehow feel that their little obstacles, their issues, their, their, is too much and that somehow they don't have a purpose. They don't have a destiny. They don't have a calling. They don't have. And I, I'm just here to tell you right now, far better it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs. Even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much, 
nor suffer much. Because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Let's just bow our heads just for a moment here right now. Can we do it? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just hear you today just daring, just coming and saying, fight, fight for, what you, for what's in your heart. Fight for what I've put inside of you. Fight. Persevere. Endure. Press through. Because your reward is certain. It will happen. I am with you in the midst of this battle. In the midst of what you're going through. Lord, I just ask right now for every heart in this place, Lord. Every heart. That something will be imparted. Lord, as you imparted it in me years ago, I pray right now for an impartation to every heart in this place. Something in them that, will, that, will, that they will just dare mighty things. Even though they taste failure, even though they stumble, even though everything doesn't come together, there's something in them that they will not be content with passivity. They will not be content with the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Lord, something in them that believes, not because of who they are, but because of who you are, that you can take them and all their weaknesses and do something with them beyond what anyone could imagine who looked at them. Lord, let that thing go deep into their spirits and deep into their hearts, every one of them, Lord. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Just thank him right now. We just thank you, Lord. You are worthy. We believe you have a purpose. We believe you have a calling. We believe you have a destiny for each of our lives. Amen. Amen.